If the coronavirus has a tagline, it's we're all in this together. So what better time to think about financial inclusion? To talk about that and more, we have Jennifer Tesher of the Financial Health Network. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. And today on the podcast, what a fantastic experience to have someone who I've known a long time personally, but also professionally, a person who to me represents a force for good in financial services, Jennifer Tesher. Jennifer is the president and chief executive officer of Financial Health Network, the nation's authority on financial health. The Financial Health Network is a trusted resource for business leaders, policymakers, and innovators united in a mission to improve financial health for all. Jennifer founded the Financial Health Network in 2004 to champion increased access to high-quality financial products and services for underserved consumers. Jennifer is a nationally recognized thought leader on consumer financial health. She contributes regularly to Forbes and frequently lending quotes to high-level consumer and financial press and, of course, the Bankadelic podcast. Tesher received undergraduate and graduate degrees in journalism from Northwestern University and a public policy degree from the University of Chicago. And Jennifer, welcome to Bankadelic. Thanks, Lou. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> I was like, is this going to end sometime soon? I'm so embarrassed. You have earned every bit of it. And you always seem to find a very different yet incredibly relevant, often overlooked angle to the news. And for those of you who have the time, please check out Jennifer's recent feature in Forbes, where she writes, the United States is one of the only industrialized nations that still uses checks, despite a spate of major national disasters in the last decade that demonstrated the challenges of distributing, depositing, and cashing checks. And we are definitely in such a scenario today. Help impress upon the audience why this is so important and how it links to issues of equality or inequality. Sure. The government is trying to push out significant amounts of aid money to people who are being impacted by COVID. In fact, ultimately, this pandemic is going to bankrupt more people than it kills. And while I take quite seriously the public health crisis that we're facing, because this ultimately is a public health crisis, at the end of the day, it's becoming an economic crisis that will impact way more people than the actual virus does. The question is, is the government going to be able to find the most vulnerable people, people who frankly don't have to file a tax return in the first place because they make too little money or because they don't have a social security number? If they find them, will they be able to get them money in time to be helpful before they're evicted or without food and then even if they can get the money to them, 
can they get it to them in a form that doesn't require them to leave their shelter in place to go deposit or cash the check? So the issues here are multiple. And now we're going to talk about a fourth stimulus package. There's going to potentially be even more money, which is, again, the right thing for the government to be doing. But if we can't get the money to people, then, you know, tree falls in woods. It's a hell of a challenge, right? What can we be doing here to help facilitate that, to do that right thing? So we've been thinking about this a lot and talking with a lot of people about it. You know, in the immediate term, it's just not feasible to think about the government standing up an entirely new payment system. I think in the near term, organizations, particularly those that do free tax preparation for people in the community, those are called VITA, getting them to find ways to start doing their work virtually and reaching out into the community as best we can to find those people who are less likely to be tax filers and helping them file a tax return is going to be critical for those individuals to actually be known by the treasury. Think about homeless shelters as an example. What can they be doing to help homeless individuals file that tax return? Also, we've been really encouraging the government and banking regulators to require banks to cash people's stimulus checks for free and to cash them for anybody, even non-customers. The Federal Reserve needs to require banks to make the funds available from those checks immediately. Right now, the rules say that banks can actually hold those checks for a day before they make the funds available. But we think that banks should be providing this money immediately. In a perfect world, what we would do is enable banks and other money service businesses like grocery stores, other places that cash checks for people. We would enable them through technology to see the list of people that the government has deemed eligible for this money and enable those other entities to simply disperse the money electronically immediately. Absolutely. If we can find trillions of dollars, we also need that force of will to find ways to connect people to the money who especially need it. That's exactly right. This is still a massive challenge, you know, upwards of 100 million people who are going to be receiving checks. I mean, to put it starkly, we don't even have on hand enough paper to print the number of checks that are going to need to be printed, literally. So every part of this process is just an enormous scale distribution challenge. The Financial Health Network has been highlighting resources, which puts you really far ahead of the curve of other organizations. Tell us a little bit about what you found. Certainly, this is a challenge for banks and financial services providers, but really numerous sectors are being significantly challenged by COVID. And if anything, this is an opportunity where we need to help bring together strange bedfellows. We all need to be putting our abilities and capabilities, resources together to most effectively reach people and small businesses that are affected. In particular, I think the sector that's maybe most challenged and in some ways is stepping up in incredibly 
heartening ways is employers writ large. The social compact, if you will, between employers and labor has really frayed significantly over the last 40 years. But to see companies step up and say, okay, yeah, we will start providing paid sick leave. We will provide you with the gear you need. We will pay you more to do this dangerous work. So I'm hopeful that when this crisis is over, it's not going to go back to just normal. We're all still trying to figure out what the new normal will look like, but I'm hopeful that maybe some of these actions that employers are taking will hold because I can tell you the data that we're seeing really demonstrates just how critical that paycheck is in people's lives. And there's just so much that employers can do, not just around the paycheck, but around all of the other benefits, health benefits, as an example, et cetera. I think there's going to be some very important opportunities for employers to live up to the Business Roundtable's new statement from last summer, redefining the purpose of a corporation to be about more than just the shareholder. And Jamie Dimon of Chase was a spearhead in that statement. I think banks have also really stepped up in a great way. They have definitely learned from the crisis 10 years ago. Now, this is a very different crisis, right? This is not a crisis of the safety and soundness of our financial system. The banks are quite strong right now. They're well capitalized. But I think they learned the lesson of needing to ensure that their customers really feel like they have their back. Banks are stepping up, employers are stepping up, and yet inequalities do exist, matters of equity. We were talking about a very recent article in the Chicago Sun-Times that said 70% of the people who have died in Chicago from the coronavirus are African-American, and yet that only represents a third of the population. Tell us what that means to you. In that article, the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, an African-American woman herself, said it wasn't surprising news. That doesn't mean she isn't bothered by it. Those kind of statistics aren't even surprising to any of us anymore. And that's where the danger comes in, because the more that we become accustomed to those kind of results, the more that we just let it go on. And it's absolutely unacceptable. Unfortunately, zip code has really become destiny. I haven't seen any other statistics in other cities, but I would not be surprised to find similar outcomes. And particularly, everyone's now bracing for the surge in the South because their governors have been slower to order people to stay at home. There are more people of color who live in many of those communities. And I'm very concerned about what that's going to mean across the country. You fielded some surveys in March that really shed some light on what's going on financially with those who need access, who lack access. Share with us some of the findings. We survey annually about 5,000 people to really understand what financial health looks like in America. We survey the same people year on year and are able to see over the course of time how people's financial health is changing. And that survey goes into the field in April. But as we were preparing for that, we were in the field in March and we were able to ask similarly some COVID kinds of questions. So what we found, for instance, is that people of color say they're much more likely to lose their job in the next three months 
due to the COVID-19 outbreak. About 9% of white individuals are worried about losing their job. But for African-Americans, that's 14%. And for Latinx, that's 17%. That's almost double the rate of whites. Wow. Um, only 12% of whites say they're likely to run out of money in the next three months because of COVID. For African-Americans, that's 22%. And for Latinx, that's 26%, more than double. We're all certainly feeling anxiety. Whites say about 56% of them are feeling anxious about the outbreak. But for African-Americans, that's 70%. And given the statistics that we just mentioned from the story in the Sun-Times, it's not surprising that they're worried about it. Let's just paint the picture. A, they're likely to be employed in jobs that they're either going to lose because of the outbreak or they're going to be having to go to and risk their lives. In order to get to those jobs, they're more likely to have to take public transportation. Another risk of infection. Their physical health generally is more compromised. They're more likely to have underlying conditions like diabetes and hypertension, conditions that can really make COVID deadly. They have less access to fresh food. They can't afford to stock up for you know, months worth of toilet paper or food. We really need to make sure that the support and aid that we're all trying to provide right now, that we're really trying to aim it at those who are most vulnerable. And when this is over, we have got to redouble our efforts around equity in this country and making sure that we are looking at the systemic issues that keep people of color in these more vulnerable positions. Tough times, but great observations. Really appreciate you taking the time with everything that's going on to be on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Lou. It's a really important time to be having these conversations. So there's really nothing more important I could be doing than talking to you. Also, I want to direct listeners to the Financial Health Network's microsite, which includes statistics and other really useful information. Jennifer Tesher is the president and chief executive officer of the Financial Health Network. You can look for her on LinkedIn and Twitter. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. You know what? I really miss my Italian grandmother who used to say two things to me. Luigi, you'll be good to your mother. That was number one. And number two. Luigi, what you learned today? Good question, Nona. And here with the answer, we have three Luigi. bullet, bullet points. points. Number one. This is still a massive challenge. You know, upwards of 100 million people who are going to be receiving checks. I mean, to put it starkly, we don't even have enough paper to print the number of checks that are going to need to be printed. Number two. 
There's just so much that employers can do, not just around the paycheck, but around all of the other benefits, health benefits, as an example, to live up to the Business Roundtable's new statement from last summer, redefining the purpose of a corporation to be about more than just the shareholder. Number three. I think banks have also really stepped up. This is not a crisis of the safety and soundness of our financial system. The banks are quite strong right now. They're well capitalized. But I think they learned the lesson of needing to ensure that their customers really feel like they have their back. And now the point in the podcast that I like to call Lose Views. We are entering into a week that is very holy for people of faith. We have Passover. We have Easter Sunday. No matter what your faith tradition, I want to urge you to take time to think about those who, as Jennifer Tesher said, are on the margins and what we can do to bring those people in. Aid is on the way. Money is in the pipeline. It's going to be especially hard for someone to cash a check, as Jennifer pointed out. What can we do to be present for those people and work on the long-term question of financial inclusion? The evangelical Christian musician Keith Green maybe put it best. He said, God can't cash out-of-state checks in heaven. And people who can't cash checks here on earth in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic really need our help. So let's think about how we can get out there and be proactive and help those people. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn and find me sheltering in. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of Karma Productions Worldwide, Chicago.